everyone, you're listening to Bionic Bug Podcast with fiction author and national security expert Natasha Bajma. Join me as I discuss the latest news about emerging technology, read chapters from Bionic Bug, and explore the real-life technologies featured in my novel. We'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You are listening to episode number 20. This is your host, Natasha Bajma fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on September 9, 2018. No personal updates today because I just recorded an episode yesterday, so let's jump right into the tech news. My first headline is researchers to release genetically engineered mosquitoes into Africa for the first time. The article was published in Scientific American on September 5. Up to 10,000 bugs could be deployed. Okay. You know how I feel about bugs, right? Uh, Well, putting that aside, let's delve into the article. What is happening here? So the government of Burkina Faso granted scientists permission to release genetically engineered mosquitoes. And this is part of an effort to use bioengineering to eliminate malaria in the region. But this will be the first time that any genetically engineered animal has been released into the wild in Africa. Um, Genetically engineered mosquitoes have already been released in places like Brazil and Cayman Islands. However... Animals with gene drives have never been released into the wild. So this is the first time for um, a genetically modified organism with a gene drive to be released. So teams in three African countries, Burkina Faso, Mali, and Uganda, they are going to eventually let loose gene drive mosquitoes, which contain a mutation that would significantly and quickly reduce the mosquito population. So if you reduce the mosquito population, you reduce malaria. Okay, time out. What are gene drives? We've been tinkering with genetics for thousands of years, so think about examples of livestock breeding or dog breeding. A gene drive is a technique that promotes the inheritance of a particular gene to increase its prevalence in the population. During normal reproduction, uh, two versions of a gene, for example, has a 50% chance of being inherited by a particular offspring. Gene drives circumvent these traditional rules and probabilities and greatly increase the odds that the desired gene will be passed on to the offspring. In other words, gene drives could alter the traits of entire populations of organisms. So my first thought when I read this article is what could possibly go wrong? Mosquitoes are bad. I hate them. I want them all gone. But they clearly uh, fulfill some sort of purpose in the ecosystem. And then, of course, malaria is a leading killer of human populations in developing countries. So, you know, on the face of this, this sounds like a good idea. But then I thought about what Michael Crichton's Dr. Ian Malcolm would say, and a few quotes come to mind. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Now, I think in this case, the scientists have thought probably pretty hard about whether they should and what the costs and benefits are. But then again... There's a lot we just don't know about how life works. Um, Another quote comes to mind. If there's one thing in history of evolution has taught us is that life will not be contained. Life breaks free. It expands to new territories and crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously. But, uh, well, there it is. So that's from uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm. And I'm curious to see where we're going with this. And this is just the beginning. Um, The technology now exists. Um, Mosquitoes is a pretty easy test case. Most can agree that the 
the uh, benefits outweigh the risks. And just a reminder, I've talked about um, John Oliver's uh, bit on gene editing a number of weeks ago. Um, it does a pretty good job of outlining what is gene editing, what is CRISPR, and what are gene drives. And it's really funny. So I will definitely include a link in the show notes in case you're interested in catching that. My second headline today is Russia, US are in a military exoskeleton race published on August 30 in Defense One by Patrick Tucker. This caught my attention primarily because the plot of Project Gecko revolves around a military battlesuit race between the US and China. Uh, for years, US uh, Special Operations Command has been developing Talos, which is the next generation battlesuit for the United States. The suit will integrate many emerging technologies, but also include an exoskeleton to improve soldier strength, agility, and endurance. Exoskeletons generally require um, powering by batteries in order to work properly. Russia is also developing its own suit called the Ratnik 3 and has already tested a prototype. The limiting factor in the advancement of both of these suits appears to be the current state of battery technology, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Okay, let's turn to Bionic Bug. Last week, Lara had a strange meeting with John Fiddler, the mysterious scientist behind the bionic bugs, but it didn't turn out the way she thought. Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 20, Malware. Moonlight poured into the open space of the industrial style loft apartment reflecting off the mini metallic surfaces and creating an unearthly vibe. Lars stood in Maggie's kitchen, waiting for the coffee pot to finish brewing. She tapped her fingers on the counter, staring aimlessly at the steel ductwork on the ceiling. Am I still considering Fiddler's offer? With $100,000, she could pay all the bills for Kingsley Investigations, replace the scorched electronics at the office, and perhaps even upgrade a few things in the office, and still have plenty left over to pay Vic. As the gourmet coffee maker whirled and gurgled, the rich aroma of fresh coffee filled the apartment. A professional-grade espresso machine sure would be nice. Lara sat on a stool at the marble-topped island and admired Maggie's glamorous kitchen. The exposed red brick and the high-end stainless steel appliances reminded her of the massive chef's kitchen in her childhood home when her parents were still alive. Nothing else about Maggie's place felt like home. Her thoughts returned to Fiddler. It couldn't have been him at the confessional. Whoever he sent in pl his place is working with him or for him. Maybe it was Ashton Grant? The coffee pot hissed. Lara reached for the carafe, poured two large cups of French dark roast, added some cream, and paused for a moment to lean against the counter. Her body ached all over. She didn't know whether her exhaustion was physical or emotional. Maybe a bit of both. Every movement drained her. Every limb dragged as she... As Though tied to weights, she took a deep breath. It had been a long day. The near-death accident, her interview with Anita, waiting for Vic at the hospital, and then chasing after the man at the Basilica. No wonder I feel like a dead woman walking. Hey, Lara, is the coffee ready yet? Vic called out from the living room. Lara snapped out of her daze. Coming right up. She walked into the living room and navigated the oversized yet sleek furniture, carefully balancing two mugs, full of coffee. Lara had pulled out the queen-size sofa bed and replaced the bedding to accommodate Vic. He'd already nestled himself into the plush cushions, leaning against the back of the couch with his laptop next to him. His broken elbow was propped up on a stack of pillows, 
and he wore a pair of digital glasses. They were blocky, oversized, and transparent, a faint image of a computer screen displayed on the lenses. Lara couldn't help but do a double take. What are those? she asked, trying not to laugh. Entranced by whatever he was seeing from behind the other side of the glasses, Vic didn't move. Vic! He peered over the rim. Sorry, these are the new Digispecs, the latest hands-free voice command computing platform for accessing my devices and work, working online. They're simply amazing, even more useful now that I'm one-handed. Lara gawked at him suspiciously. Yeah, and don't they cost a fortune? Where did you get them? Vic winced and cleared his throat as he took off the glasses, folded them up, and placed them safely by his side. You're not going to like the answer. Lara's heart sank. Just tell me. As I left the hospital, a delivery man came up to me and asked me if I was Vikram Abhe. I said yes, and then he handed me a small box and asked me to sign for it. When I realized there was no sender or recipient information in the box, I tried to call for him to come back, but he was gone. Like he vanished into thin air, Vic made a poofing gesture with his good hand. What did he look like, Lara asked, handing Vic the cup of coffee. Probably 60 years old, grayish brown hair, gray-blue eyes. He looked more like a professor than a delivery guy. Now that I think of it, the whole thing seems odd to me. He wasn't wearing one of those polo shirts with a name tag, but he had a package and a scanner, so I assumed he worked for a delivery company. He paused, focusing on the air in front of him, his face scrunched up. But how did he know exactly where to find me? And you're just thinking about that now? Lara rolled her eyes and sighed heavily. She reached into her pocket and pulled out a photo Anita gave her. Was this him? Vic studied the photo for a few minutes and his eyes grew wide. Yeah, I think so. He looks a bit younger here. Well, congratulations. You met John Fiddler. And now you're using the tech he gifted you. For all we know, he's recording this conversation right now. Vic's eyes widened even further. He set the coffee on the side table and slowly picked up the glasses to inspect them. Do you think he's infiltrated them somehow? Vic held the glasses between two fingers as if they were contaminated. Should I stop using them? Lars shrugged, thinking through the pros and cons. What would be Fiddler's motivation behind the glasses? He already tracks us with his drones and beetles. If Fiddler wanted to hurt either of them, he would have done so. Maybe the glasses would help him solve the case. If Cybershop killed Sully, as whoever she met had indicated, then she and Fiddler were on the same page. Go ahead and use them. But first, you might want to use your computer whiz skills to find out why Fiddler gave them to you. Maybe he inserted a surveillance program or a bug. In the meantime, let's turn them off. I don't want him listening to this conversation. As he shut down the glasses, Vic breathed a sigh of relief. So if I met Fiddler at the hospital, who did you meet after your interview with Anita? I think Ashton was the man I met at the Basilica. Lara settled into the lounge chair and tried to relax her body. She told Vic about Ashton pretending to be Fiddler, the strange Bible passage, and the interview with Anita. The connection between John Spielman and John Fiddler shocked him the most, and he laughed about the truth staring them in the face. Lara didn't tell him about the offer or Ashton's threat. Did Fiddler send Ashton on a mission to convince me to take the job? Are you going to talk to Anita again? Lara nodded. I'm going to try. What have you been up to? 
I'm working on finding the location of Fiddler's computer. Well, at least the one he used to log in as Killerbot, Vic said. I'm getting close to cracking it. Not in those glasses, I hope. Vic shook his head. I'm trying to remotely install malware on Fiddler's computer. It's a bit of a minefield, but I think I can pull it off. Lara furrowed her brow. But how? Vic chuckled. The TechNow message board used by Fiddler and Cybershop for their conversation was misconfigured and routed some traffic to some unsecured HTTP links. Lars scrunched her face. But I thought Tor was for the dark web and doesn't access the surface web. Vic shook his head. Tor is a browser like any other. You can use it to surf the internet anonymously, but it's a dangerous game. HTTPS websites use end-to-end encryption. However, HTTP websites are unprotected. If you click the wrong link using Tor, you could expose yourself. So Tor doesn't work 100% of the time, Lara asked. Vic nodded. Tor routes traffic and encrypts it within the dark web. But if you wander outside the network and click on an unencrypted HTTP website, all bets are off. Whoever logged in as KillerBot clicked on a few of these links and compromised their anonymity. I'm close to getting the IP address. Vic held up two fingers. To nail KillerBot, I've set an irresistible trap. If Fiddler or his proxy clicks on the delicious link I just uploaded to the meshes board, it should install malware and send me the IP address. Then we can decipher its location. Wow, that's brilliant, Vic. I hope it works. But I'm not sure Fiddler is that stupid. Vic grinned. Oh, it will work. He's a scientist, but not a computer guy. I'm sure he missed something. Or maybe Ashen will click on it by mistake. You think Ashen is logging in as KillerBot on behalf of Fiddler? Vic nodded. That's what I'd do if I had an assistant running around doing my dirty work. It's called layered defense. Even if we locate the computer, then we still don't locate Fiddler. Lara sat silently for a few minutes, drinking the rest of her coffee. It's real good of the bug lady to take us both in like this, Vic said. Well, she wasn't going to let you fend for yourself with a broken elbow in a half-burned townhouse. Plus, I'm already here and can wait on you hand and foot. But if you're staying here, can you please try to call her Maggie from now on? Vic gave her an embarrassed look. Okay, sorry. He wrinkled his forehead. But if you're taking her bedroom, where is Maggie going to sleep? Vic didn't like putting anyone out any more than she did. She said she's spending the night at a friend's place. Whatever that means. A knock at the door startled her. Who might that be? Lara set her coffee cup down, heaved her achy body up from the chair, and plodded over the door to look through the peephole. Detective Sanchez, what's he doing here? When Lara opened the door, a look of surprise crossed the detective's face. She couldn't tell if it was a happy surprise or not. He was better dressed than usual, wearing a newly ironed button-down shirt and pressed khaki pants and holding a bouquet of white roses. He recently applied cologne, overwhelmed... His recently applied cologne overwhelmed her nose, forcing Lara to sneeze. Sorry, she said, wiping her face on her sleeve. Detective Sanchez, what are you doing here? He didn't answer, leaving an awkward pause between them. Well, he finally said, I'm here to see you. Um, Meg, uh, Dr. Brown told me you'd be here, and I wanted to make sure you're okay. I heard you almost got hit by a car today. Here, these are for you. With an awkward motion, he handed her the flowers. Lara's mouth hung open slightly as she took the bouquet. Uh, thanks, they're beautiful. 
The words came out monotone and cumbersome, but the gesture caught her off guard. They're get-well flowers. Lara nodded. All out of teddy bears? Sanchez cleared his throat. Something told her the detective was not here to see her. Where is he? She recalled the commander making a snide remark about a soft spot. Is that it? Lara asked. Actually, there's something more. The detective shoved his hands in his pockets. I've been investigating Stepanov since you're so hot on him for our suspect. You are? Lara asked. Why is he suddenly being so nice to me? Sanchez shifted his weight back and forth. I called the NSA and verified his work status. The operator transferred me to Justine Marsh, who said she's working with you and Rob on the case. Lara nodded. Justine said Stepanov is on a detail assignment at DARPA, but she wouldn't tell me why. Something about it being classified, need to know, blah, 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 bullshit. Anyways, I searched through our intelligence database and found out Stepanov was a Russian national up until five years ago when he gained U.S. citizenship and joined NSA for his language and technology skills. Lara nodded. Stepanov had a slight Russian accent, but his recent naturalization surprised her. His English was nearly flawless. The detective continued. Back in Russia, he worked for a defense contractor with close ties to the FSB. Holy shit, the Russian espionage agency? You think he might be a double agent? Sanchez nodded, his awkwardness giving way to excitement. I also had my computer guys do some digging into cyber shops activities on the dark web. Get this. Many of Cybershop's customers appear to be, let me guess, Russian? Exactly, the detective said as he puffed out his chest a bit and grinned. Wow, that's really good stuff. I appreciate you taking my suspicion seriously. It's no trouble, really, the detective stared down on his feet. Um, it's getting late. I'd better go. Lara nodded. Yeah, I've had a long day. We should catch up on the rest of the case soon. Maybe you could swing by the townhouse tomorrow? I'm stopping by there to see how the repairs are coming. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow then. Lara waved goodbye and closed the door behind her. What was that about? From across the room, she could see Vic beaming at her. He burst into laughter until he couldn't breathe. He'd obviously been on the edge of his seat the whole time, listening to every word. Well, that was some sticky wicket, Vic said, grinning from ear to ear. Did the detective actually try to hit on you? Ew, Vic! I don't think so. Lara shivered at the idea. He stopped by to give me information on the case. What are the flowers for then? Vic smirked. Lara shrugged, trudging toward the kitchen to search for something to put them in. Was he really here to see Maggie? After finding a suitable glass face, Lara opened the utensil drawer to look for scissors to trim the stems. Then something caught her eye. At the back of the drawer, she found a single key linked to a Star Wars Yoda keychain. What's this doing here? She recognized it immediately. It was part of the set she'd given Sully for his birthday. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.